The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Pacific Life. Protecting generations of families for 150 years, that's the power of Pacific. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, November 30th. In today's news, the Republican tax cut bill cleared a big hurdle in the Senate. The president's son-in-law has been interviewed by Bob Mueller's team. And a government shutdown is starting to look more likely, with Democrats playing hardball on immigration. But first, the big idea. The political sphere is lagging the media in responding to sexual misconduct allegations. Billy Bush got fired and Donald Trump got elected. The fallout from the Access Hollywood tape last year established a pattern that's continued with the near-daily bombshells about sexual misconduct this fall. Men in the media and entertainment industries are being held far more accountable than politicians. In that 2005 Access Hollywood tape, Trump spoke graphically about kissing and groping women uninvited. He boasted on a hot microphone, quote, When you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. To which Bush laughed and replied, quote, Whatever you want. NBC quickly ousted Bush as a co-host of the Today Show. More than a dozen women subsequently accused Trump of improper conduct or sexual assault, but he denied everything and won anyway. Yesterday, NBC fired another Today Show host, Matt Lauer, following a claim of inappropriate sexual behavior. He's the latest high-profile media figure to be felled over allegations of workplace harassment, from Charlie Rose to Mark Halperin and Bill O'Reilly. As Stephen Colbert quipped in his monologue last night, quote, I am one of the few men still allowed on television. But several men in politics who have been accused of sexual misconduct have not fared quite so poorly. Some fresh polling out of Alabama shows that Roy Moore is back in the lead going into the Senate special election on December 12th, despite being accused of improper sexual conduct with teenage girls when he was a prosecutor in his 30s. He's denied it all. Several women have now gone public to accuse Michigan Congressman John Conyers of sexual harassment. But he's resisting calls to resign, and his lawyer said yesterday that he's still planning to run for another term next year. Or consider the fate of two Minnesotans. Garrison Keeler was fired yesterday by Minnesota Public Radio over allegations of inappropriate behavior that occurred while he was in charge of a Prairie Home Companion. The 75-year-old who retired from the show last year denies any wrongdoing. Meanwhile, his friend Al Franken, who represents the state in the Senate, appears poised to survive despite admitting wrongdoing and being seen in a photograph groping a woman. The Democrat had a news conference on Monday to apologize for his conduct with four separate women who have accused him of unwanted touching. He's asked the Senate Ethics Committee to investigate his case, which could take years, but he and his aides have said that he's not going to resign and he's not up for re-election again until November of 2020. My colleague Karen Tumulty notes that the disparity between how swiftly someone like Lauer gets fired and the fact that more could actually win underscores how the burgeoning national conversation around sexual abuse has both elevated the issue and muddied the question of how to deal with it proportionally and consistently. The media executives who are adopting a zero-tolerance policy, even for their highest-paid talent, are sensitive to charges of hypocrisy as their news organizations aggressively cover the endemic culture of sexual harassment. CNN reported last night that it has dismissed Teddy Davis, a senior producer on the Sunday morning program State of the Union, after an internal investigation found that he had at times made colleagues uncomfortable. 
NPR axed its chief news editor, David Sweeney, on Tuesday after allegations of sexual harassment by three female journalists. Those complaints were all filed after NPR editorial director Michael Oreskes was forced to resign earlier this month over sexual misconduct allegations. The tribal nature of today's politics, meanwhile, has offered a kind of immunity to charges that, if corroborated, would put an abrupt end to the career of someone in any other field but politics. As both prominent Democrats and Republicans face more allegations of sexual abuse, it's become yet another battle in a zero-sum partisan war where distinctions are often lost between egregious acts and lesser offenses. Democrats argue that actions for which Franken has apologized should not end his career as long as Trump is allowed to sit in the White House. Republicans say Democrats who are in full cry over allegations against Trump showed no such regard for the parade of women who accused former President Bill Clinton of similar behavior. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, the Senate has voted to advance the Republican tax plan toward a final vote by the end of this week. The 52 to 48 party line vote was an important victory for Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Trump. But it's not a guarantee of ultimate success. Several Republican lawmakers who have not committed to voting for the bill's final passage agreed to open debate on the bill so that they could introduce amendments that they want to make. It's not clear that they'll pass. If they pass, it could make the bill less palatable for others. Key issues still on the table include how to prevent the bill from driving up the federal deficit too much and whether to give additional benefits to businesses. Tennessee Senator Bob Corker's push for a trigger to raise taxes if the economy does not grow as much as Republicans are assuming is still being negotiated. There's speculation, though, that Corker, who's retiring, will cave even if he doesn't get what he wants. Number two, Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, met with Bob Mueller's team this month to answer questions about a December meeting he sat in on with Michael Flynn and then Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. During that meeting, the men discussed setting up a secret back channel between the Trump team and Moscow. The channel was apparently never set up. Meanwhile, Roger Stone, a close, longtime advisor to the president, told the House Intelligence Committee that New York radio personality Randy Credico was the intermediary between him and WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange during the 2016 campaign. The House Intelligence Committee is holding more high-profile hearings in the coming days. Next week, the lawmakers will meet with Donald Trump Jr. behind closed doors to discuss his Russia-related contacts during the 2016 campaign. Number three, Senator Dick Durbin, the Democrat from Illinois, announced that he will vote against any spending bill if Congress fails to address the fate of hundreds of thousands of undocumented immigrants who were brought to the United States as minors, also known as DREAMers. Trump announced this fall that he will end the program that gives these DREAMers temporary work authorizations. That move puts DREAMers at risk of deportation early next year. Durbin, who is Chuck Schumer's number two in the Senate, is the highest-ranking Democrat to raise the specter of a government shutdown as early as next week if there's not movement on immigration. His posture has the potential to deepen the emerging rift between congressional Democrats because he's going further than other top leaders like Nancy Pelosi or Schumer. The majority of Senate Democrats have still not made this threat, but many House Democrats agree with Durbin. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, November 30th. You can read much more about all the latest sexual harassment revelations at WashingtonPost.com slash Daily 202. Thanks so much for listening. I'm James Holman, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.